Where are you going to put with yeah. Well, I've pressed record now, Rob, so there we are. We're underway. So, <clears throat> we're both in some form of isolation. So, where are you isolated from? Where am I isolated from? I, I think we're isolated from each other and also the university. Yeah, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? Um, it does, but like so many other people, um, I'm slowly getting used to it. And I guess because we didn't necessarily have to do nine to five, that isolation is maybe a bit easier to come to terms with the, those people who were used to going in nine to five and maybe is even easier to get used to if you're now not faced with some kind of, um, I'd never, I'd never realize that they would use the word but this notion of being furloughed now whoever sat down and thought of that word must have been one of those moments where they have that light bulb moment because i thought where on earth has this come from so yeah um at least we're not isolated to the extreme that we're worried about that at the moment exactly i think this is the, the person who invented the word furloughed probably also invented the word backstop <laughs> but, uh, let's, let's move on <laughs> okay so what are we talking about that's a question you normally ask but i've got there in first leadership in higher education good and um your choice of topic this week yep okay so the question is why am i interested in leadership in in, in, in higher education is it going to be one of those episodes where you ask yourself all the questions and i can just sit and make sarcastic comments all, all, all the time or do you need me no, to ask you some I, questions i am going to i am going to attempt a little bit of an answer to it excellent um, so leadership in higher education i'm just intrigued by the whole subject of leadership in higher education um so most leaders in he are are academics or former academics to be a leader, like a head of a department or a vice chancellor, a deputy vice chancellor, many of those are, have left their research behind and have left their teaching behind or it's been hugely reduced. And I'm just interested in the motivation mm. of all sectors that I've worked in. I'm just intrigued by, you know, the the reasons why you'd want to leave everything behind and become a and become a, a leader, deputy vice chancellor. Vice Chancellor, so what do you think? <laughs> I think I, I, I think I share that fascination, and I, I suppose you you look back at all the people you've worked for over the years. Um, in my case, about fifteen, maybe sixteen now in higher education, and you, you look at the deans, the head of schools and, and faculty managers and across the piece, actually, and you think, why you, why, why have you ended up there? Um, it, when I was working at Portsmouth, um, the, the faculty I was in was, it had research centres in it, but was largely a reflection of old school polytechnic days. And I... I, I this is a this is a a bit of a leap, you know, possibly a dangerous assumption. But quite a few of the guys in positions, management and leadership positions, then I think ended up there because it was the 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 promotional route. Um, mm. 
They were never going to become any more senior from a teaching point of view. They were never going to become any more senior from a research point of view because by and large they weren't really research active of a capital R. And and it was it was a way to develop a career really. Um, and I, I, I think that f was slowly being, not phased out, but slowly diluting. Um, but today you look at people and you think, why on earth would you put your hand up to do that? Occasionally I find myself thinking that. Mm. I think that um, I have worked for some very, very good leaders in higher education. And um, it's not the kind of role that you ever get thanked for, is it? You know, it's not one of the roles, oh, you know, we've got a, a really good leader or a manager and oh, let's go and thank them because they're really effective. It's almost as if they're the mark of who they are or the, the, the what they've achieved is the fact that no one notices. Um, yeah. It creates at least the amount of disturbance for everybody else so they can get on with the things that they're interested in and, <laughs> and uh, it does seem to be that does seem to be a bit of a definition of uh, of leader of, of, of leadership yeah did it contain say that they create a almost a benign container for for, for scholarship yeah um, for students for staff for others, um, a protective little cocoon in order for, for, for good things to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing that strikes me is, is you know, it must be quite a lonely job for many people involved in HE leadership. Um, yeah. Uh, would you... Yeah, I... I... Again, I'm thinking more about days at Portsmouth, and I, maybe actually, David, for an anonymity's sake, should we call it Fulchester University? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think by now, most people who are listening to this even know exactly who we are and where we've come from, or will very easily look it up. <laughs> Yeah, but Fulchester would be quite good. Changing the subject slightly, I had a, I had a colleague at Fulchester, um, yeah. and they they set up this sort of virtual simulation, business simulation, and they they came up with this place in the in the virtual simulation called Port Hampton, where they were trying to blur the boundaries between Portsmouth and Southampton to try and give the students a sense of where they were but where they weren't <laughs> and it was really confusing <laughs> yeah. um, I've forgotten what I was saying then you were talking about Southampton, uh, you are talking about Portsmouth I was talking about, oh yes, yeah, sorry and it, you know, it might have been reflected the team I was in in, in the faculty we, I was in but it wasn't that I didn't think it was that lonely for for the dean and the associate deans and the head of school. There was quite a, a, a there was a quite a dynamic team around that particular faculty. Now I'm not I can't say it was the same in other faculties in that university, but there was a period um, 
where there was a very dynamic dean, a very dynamic team around them, and there was no sense that there was just one sole person, you know, taking taking the whole weight of the, the faculty on their shoulders. Um, that did change somewhat when when deans and associate deans changed, but um, I, I I don't I think you're right. There's there's the issue of loneliness, but I don't think that's it's it's universal in the in a sort of this is what it's going to be everywhere kind of way. Yeah, I worked with one who I thought was a, quite a, an effective uh, leader, and um, and he just sort of saw him one day and he just said oh, I'm giving up I'm going back to I'm just fed up with it all and um, for him it was uh, it was a bit of a thankless task yeah, yeah. I the, the, the thing that always struck me is that there is this very strange and again every university is probably slightly different but in the universities I've worked in there seems to be a very strange segregation and separation of power responsibility authority and influence and there are certainly some people I've worked with in the past who found who I think found themselves in a very thankless place <laughs> and that that was usually because they felt like they didn't have the authority or influence to do very much but seemed to be responsible for an awful lot and I yeah. think that I think that is where you get into a kind of spiral of um, spiral of dis, you know depression about what's going on because you've got that weight on your shoulders and yet you're not in a position to actually say this this is what we're going to do this is the way forward this is what tomorrow will look like maybe yeah one thing that strikes me is that I mean I've worked in the, the National Health Service for quite a few years it's a very highly regulated environment with more regulators than you can shake a stick at and I'm just wondering with HE how the how the uh, um, context has changed was changing so was it a couple of years ago we had the teaching excellence framework TEF didn't we and we were all being measured for TEF and um, I'm a unit of assessment champion at the moment for the for the business school for the research excellence framework for ref and you know coming at us at a, the, the, the speed of a bullet train we've got kef the knowledge exchange framework and i'm wondering how all of these different frameworks and in the context of the office for students what the implications are for leadership there because the amount of agency one has with all of these framework with all of these frameworks and regulators seems to sort of throttle out or, or uh, ring out the the ability of, of leaders to cho choose lead and to set a direction mm. yeah I, 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 I see what you mean and I, I think that is a, a real dilemma um, does that and, and does that inform this notion of being lonely at the top? Because you've got um, a range of frameworks outside waiting to be imposed or, or held over you, um, held yeah. over you in your institution. Um, and, and yet you're trying to take 
the university as a whole, your departments and, and the rest of it with you, towards meeting some kind of frame and as and when it appears. Um, it's it's a very strange thing, I think. Um, I've not got any experience of, of being Ofsteaded, but you, you listen to teaching colleagues at secondary school and primary school talk about the experience of being Ofsteaded. And there's that, you know, there's that kind of erosion, as you say, agency, as a result of these things, these frameworks, these organisations appearing um, in a flurry of activity and holding everything you do to a, to a candle in some ways and, and unpicking it. I, I think it's really interesting and, and goes back to your really original point. Is why, why would you... Why would you do that? What's what's in it for you as an individual <laughs> to to stick yeah. your CV into that um, head of department's job? Yeah, and I've known quite a few people in teaching, and uh, the uh, the shadow of uh, Ofsted is not a it's not a comfortable one. Um, so in all of this, is it? Is it do you think it's a calling? Do you think people have feel a calling to be a, a leader in higher education is it something that they you know throughout all of this they feel that they can achieve something create a legacy and um from an experience point of view i think i can come up with a, a few names who probably were if, if you like sort of called um there's a few people who i've worked with who i would probably say through their hats in the ring there was an expression everyone used to use that expression at Portsmouth it was very funny I'm going to throw my hat into the ring for this internal job um, yeah. uh, and I think there's a few people I can point to who decided they would do that because they felt they were the only person capable of doing it and oh, okay. and very you know there's nothing like an ego <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm. I need to be this because actually, frankly, the rest of the candidates are likely to be morons. Uh, so I, I think there's a balance between the, the sort of altruistic servant type leadership who's called to to do the to do the job, and actually, in some cases, you find people who, r frankly, are driven by by an ego because they really don't trust anyone else to do it maybe protecting their own self-interest certainly in my experience there's, there's been people on both sides of that particular fence well by definition that should almost ex exclude them shouldn't it really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well yeah, yeah possibly um yeah. It, it was always um it was always very common um in full chester university that um there would be internal recruitment rounds for lots of those head of department and associate type dean jobs yeah. and um, there you really did get into some fascinating internal politics of um, those people who frankly should not have been allowed to apply who of course apply yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and those people who really should be doing it who'd be walking around saying what do you think? I've got mug written on my forehead. I'm not going to put myself through that. And and it was fascinating that often you found people who really shouldn't have been allowed to, to rock up at the interview process and presentation process and you'd, you'd sit through their um, semi-audition, really, um, and think, 
crumbs. But of course, recruitment means that if you've if you've met the person's spec, you need to be given a shout. You know, you need to be given a shot at this. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I'm conscious that we're talking about leadership in higher education as if, you know, as if it's. Uh, I mean, would you ever think about, you know, if you had the calling? If... <laughs> Have you been reading some religious texts at the minute? You, 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 I know you like an ecumenical matter, but, but there's there is a faint there is a faint whiff of something about the, the language you're using Rob I'm intrigued well perhaps it's something to do with the uh, the uh, virus pandemic that we're living in that I'm sort of sub- subliminally being being drawn to God I don't know <laughs> okay interesting um, uh, well have I ever felt a calling I uh, I, I not not strongly I don't mm. think. Um, uh, uh, what about you? Um, no. Um, I've worked in the health service, been a sort of a leader of a department and various other things. Um, I don't have. I don't have a year. I certainly don't have a yearning for it. I certainly don't have a yearning for it. Well, um, I suppose my experience is similar to you in the sense that having had a private sector career beforehand and rather like you, you know, leading teams and leading departments in that pre-university life, the, the sort of need to do it again probably is slightly not drowned out but slightly quiet um the 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 voice calling is probably much more relaxed and sitting in the background just maybe there but maybe just quiet um and it may well be that it's potentially louder in some of our colleagues who've only worked through higher education and teaching um i don't know I'm, i'm massively speculating really i've not actually talked to any of them yeah, I think there is something about leaders in higher education. I th- I, there is something that makes me think uh, that the more effective ones that I've worked with or been part have had experiences of the wider world. Mm. Um, yeah, in my experience, they tend to be rather less dangerous. Yeah, and I, um, I think... The ones who I've enjoyed working with are the ones who have had wider world experience. Um, and again, it's a very biased sample, me. Um, but they've, they tend to have come from much more practical areas. So, yeah. for example, the engineers I've worked with who um, have had previous experience seemed to be pretty good um there was a there was a head of school of civil engineering who really very tragically passed away some years ago but um his previous experience in the in the private sector then coming into the university he was just fantastic he was fantastic at working with people he was fantastic at drawing everyone together and 
shaping them in a way that was quite unusual in in other places so I think that idea of having some wider world experience is probably a good one yeah I suppose the other thing sorry go ahead I was going to say the other thing I'm conscious of in, in some universities it's all you know the leadership of the departments on a rolling basis yeah and somebody does it for a couple of years and then it goes to somebody else um well that was traditionally the case at um at Portsmouth where those roles were um, were called uh, what were they called they were they were they were not your substantive role. So you, you would be a senior lecturer or a principal lecturer, and that would be your substantive role. And the, the, the role of head of department would be only advertised internally to the university. And it would mean that you were given a three or occasionally slightly longer fixed term appointment. And at the end of that appointment, and the system actually changed over some years. People got fed up with reapplying. And and the the university director at that time changed it to a slightly longer duration, and then uh, also and also then changed it to a if if you were at the end towards the end of your time in office as it were, um, and you wanted to do it again, you could say that, and if no one else expressed an interest, they didn't need to go through a full blown application process, they just needed to express an interest. Um, if no one else did that, you would automatically be rolled forward into another term. But if someone okay. if someone internally turned around and said, actually, I fancy having a go, <laughs> you then had to go through a recruitment process, which, which only happened a couple of times, but was really fascinating. Um, yeah. and, and for those people effectively challenging, and, and someone once used the term, who is the challenger in this? It became very adversarial at moments. Um, it, Gosh, it, it, it sounds like people on horses with big sticks and jousting it, and things. It was absolutely like that, and it, it, it created a very strange atmosphere for a, for a period of time. Usually it sort of worked through, but occasionally there was some very bad feeling about what had happened. <laughs> Um, in yeah. in some senses, people were encouraged to apply for these roles, but then stood no chance of getting them because of the incumbent. And it, it, you know, it, there was some very strange atmospherics at times. Yeah. It reminds me of David Attenborough with the uh, the gorillas or something, and you get the the young usurper coming yeah. along, <coughs> yeah, trying it, to knock the uh, the big beast off the uh, off the pedestal. Exactly, it, it was always a little bit like that because. You know, some people would say, "Yeah, actually, I really fancy having a pop at this," um, but it, it's quite a risky undertaking, particularly, yeah. particularly if the incumbent turned around and said, "No, I fancy having another five years." Very, yeah. very strange. But over the over the years, they then started to look outside. There was a view, you know, a new directorate started to arrive, and there was a view that everything was becoming a little bit too. Um, incestuous and they needed some outside um outside blood and and things became a little bit less introspective i guess yeah <clears throat> the the other thing i'm kind of conscious of is the fact that it's it's not always about leadership being attached to a a formal role or a formal function 
And yes. I think, in a way, your example of talking about leading the ref uh, and, and, and what you've had to do as a result of having that responsibility is, a, is, a, is a, as equally as an important form of leadership than actually turning around and saying, well, I'm going to be the Dean of Faculty. And that's all well and good, having a lovely title. But mm. that leadership that comes as a result of a, 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 you know, a, a task, a project, an activity of which the ref kind of falls into is, is I, I suggest, equally as important, really. Yeah, and um, and also my new little task of chairing the university's ethics committee, I guess, would also come into that as well. Yeah, um, so it's interesting your initial reaction about not feeling the calling, but lo and behold, um, there there seems to be lots of things that you have taken on that are kind of small parts in a jigsaw puzzle of leadership. Um, the ref the ethics uh, and the other things that you get involved with um you know if you look at them as a whole probably all equal some form of leadership yeah <clears throat> I haven't really thought of it like that which, which seems a bit remiss to me really i just what did um what do they call it it's uh somebody used the word somebody very senior in uh, in our organization called it uh Academic citizenship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a that's a nicety. I've, I think I would actually push back and say it's academic leadership, but it's not academic leadership attached to someone having a fancy title, because yeah. I, I think if I'm, if I'm going to critique that particular view, I'd say. You know we're all academic citizens, and and that goes across our master's students and undergraduate students, and I I think actually it's doing a disservice to the sort of work that you do and others do by taking on those extra 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 elements, extra components, yeah. and you know the examples I've already given about ethics etc. are very good ones, but you know people like. Um, in the past, colleagues who've signed up to lead learning and teaching committee, people who've taken on principal uh, lecturer roles in learning and teaching, people who've signed up to go to academic board, all those kind of things strike me as being forms of leadership across the organisation that are really important because without them, I'm not sure that any vice chancellor's group or team could deliver a coherent university yeah no I, I, absolutely <clears throat> absolutely what other topics are we talking about what generally or or no specifically about leadership um i I kind of, I just wanted to, you know, I wondered what your thoughts were about leadership in terms of where we are currently. I know it puts a little sort of time stamp on things, but I'm interested that the 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 form of leadership that we, you know, I might have expected um, would be a little bit more visible. 
And I'm just wondering what your thoughts were about that, because I think in our university, I'm, I'm slightly, I'm not criticising it, but I'm surprised at how invisible it is. Does that come back to what I said earlier, that the best that a senior leadership could could achieve is actually not to be noticed and, 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 and for, for us just to get on with what we what, what interests us? Mm. Um, uh, and I, I take your point. I take your point, particularly in what you might call a, a, a time of normality. But I, I, I find myself reflecting the, the current situation, the current context we're all sitting in, is quite a long way from normal. I know university life and higher education and education generally is quite turbulent, but it seems to be hyper-turbulent. And as such, is being um, slightly one step away and letting things get on with things really the approach? Is it the appropriate approach? And again, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm thinking aloud. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would look to, <clears throat> so for me, a university is, you know, obviously a learning community and researching community. The one thing that I, I think would be <clears throat> important is the ability to draw themes and connections together that would otherwise not happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, and creating that sort of context. So, for example, us in the business school, what are the connections or possibilities that might exist, um, in, you know, in collaboration with other other schools like sports science or mm. um, um, digital technologies? And I think s- some of the senior leadership roles, I think, would have it would it would be helpful if if there were more there was more sort of drawing connections together in all sorts of, uh, um, I don't know, events, um, op- you know, opportunities to intermingle. And there's a leadership role in that, I mm. think, that I, you know, that I think could be focused on a little bit more. Because, you know, if we were a very, because we're a, quite a small university, I think we can really develop our, our, contribution in those interconnections those sort of liminal fields that exist between disciplines yeah i think that's a sort of an area of leadership that i think would be really useful to dwell on yeah i i think that's a good point i i want again i'm not saying this is a solution but i wonder whether the 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 thing that's holding that back is geography maybe um and for for us on a different site does geography play a role in that um does it exist in other in other departments on the main site i i don't know but i wonder whether that's a factor yeah i think you might yes i i think you're right actually because i do i do spend quite a lot of time over in the the, the other the other site and what I really enjoy about it is the ability just to bump into people mm. um, yeah and just have those random conversa- conversations um, 
Yeah, it's a very, very very tricky thing to resolve, and and in a way, making that wholly responsible, put it on the doorstep of of leadership with a capital L, is quite not unfair, but it's you know it has its challenges that need to be acknowledged because the the physical restrictions are the physical restrictions. In a way, it would require a very creative approach, which maybe goes back to that initial point about visibility or otherwise and my my suspicion is that it would need to be more visible than than what is currently um around i'm not i'll give you an example of something that i think is starting to work well so um as you might know i'm a senior fellow of the higher education academy there are a few of us at the university there's there's a spattering of uh, principal uh, AGA people and the deputy vice chancellor has, has developed a group where we just meet periodically to talk through learning and teaching things hmm. and uh, increasingly I'm finding that quite a fruitful a fruitful uh, forum to make connections that I wouldn't otherwise do yeah um now, in some respects, they're a, they're a little bit unplanned, um, and the conversation just sort of develops. We bring different topics to talk about, and things like that as a form of leadership of mm. of creating a space whereby people can make connections that otherwise wouldn't happen, mm. and, it, and to enable actions to follow on from that to support those actions. Yeah, that's the type of thing I'm thinking of. Yeah, I th- I think that's um, you know that's a good space, uh, and and for me as you're talking about it, it makes me think. Well, okay, those actions you've identified again are sort of those um, unofficial, um, non-title moments of leadership. Um, where you you might spark up a conversation with a and other about a particular learning and teaching issue and you decide that actually something could be done, delivered, implemented, whatever, and you go away and do that because you've you've come out of that space and, and seen a particular vision of what can happen. And it it's, I guess, a kind of you know micro leadership that comes out of those little moments um that 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 shared space that you've been given so yeah. you know it's almost a sort of um you can almost sort of use a sort of microscopic um analogy where you're thinking about looking at things you know in your hand then you see right in my hand it looks like leadership but then if you put that hand under the microscope you'll still see lots of leadership but it's just at a slightly different scale. Um, and yeah. as, as a whole, it adds up to a very useful thing. The hand is a very useful device. But actually, yeah. w- without all those little individual moments of microscopic leadership going on, um, it's not going to be as useful. So, yeah. again, it's about going back to that. I, uh, you know, It's not necessarily always about those people who step up to be vulnerable and visible <laughs> and yeah. end up with a thankless task of um, 
putting themselves forward in in front of a, a department and doing that bloody presentation that always seems to be attached to any senior role come in and come in and do your trial by jury um, yeah i'm never really sure how much impact those massive presentations have in a recruitment process but um there are there are a moment of great theater i guess yes and also uh, entertainment for someone <laughs> <laughs> i was being a bit cynical no that's unlike you um, I, we've been running for just over half an hour or so now. Um, uh, we, we've certainly covered some some stuff that I made some notes about, and also some stuff that I hadn't never occurred to me actually that we would discuss. Discuss. Um, you are you feeling like we've explored this notion of leadership in higher education to an extent, or? Had you got other things on your um, in your plan? Um, I think that's it, really. Those I've got my little list here that I that I've prepared. I think we've covered all the things that have intrigued me. Good. So next time one of those roles comes up that you can apply to be a head of something somewhere, are you going to throw your hat in the ring, or are you going to just carry on? Um, in the background with your um with your iron shirt and and <laughs> i think i think with uh with with as a person without any hair my hat is very very uh more is is uh it's going to stay firmly on my head <laughs> well uh, rob i'll be interested to see what happens over the next few years then and i i might i might write that that quote down and and throw it back at you at some point with my hat <laughs> cool so i'll i'll actually we'll sign off there and um i'll turn our recording off